Book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4, beginning of verse 1. Well, I love this. I love, I love the epistles that Paul wrote to young pastors. And being a pastor, uh, I, 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 they're special to my heart, and I thank God for them, how they, how they encourage me, how they challenge me, how they convict me, how they educate me, how they enlighten me, how they do so, so many things, and they just touch my heart. But Paul the Apostle, Nearing his end, this is what they call his swan song. I believe he was in prison at this time. I believe he wasn't long before Nero would separate his head from his body and therefore release his soul and spirit to go back to God who gave it. Wouldn't you hate it to have been the devil and try to do something with Paul? I mean, I mean, think about it just a little bit. What in the world are you going to do with Paul? If, if you let him alone, he'd go from town to town, city to city, continent to continent, preaching the gospel, establishing churches, and winning men to Christ. If you, if you caught him, put him in jail, you know what he'd do? He'd lead prayer meeting at midnight and pray such a prayer that, that God would hear and shake the foundations of the jail that he would in and even convince the prisoners and the uh, jet to give their life to Christ. And if you cut his head off, all you would do is release his soul to heaven. Amen. Wouldn't you hate to have been Satan dealing with Paul? I wouldn't want to be like Satan, but I wouldn't want to be like, more like Paul. I like, to, I like to be able to wake up every morning and hear the devil say, Lord God, he's still here. Amen. Wouldn't that be good? Do covet your prayers. Paul said to a young pastor by the name of Timothy, I charge thee. Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, now watch this last phrase, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and at his coming, or his kingdom. Two different things there, two different times, speaking of two different judgments. He said, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke. And let me go ahead and get that, if I can, with long suffering and sound doctrine. Father, I'm thankful this morning for the privilege being among your people, God, what a great thing that it is to be saved, to know my name's in the Lamb's book of life, to know that your blood has washed my sins away, to know, God, without a doubt, that I'm sealed with the Spirit. Thank you, as I was trying to teach our young converts this morning of the assurance that the Word of God gives us. I'm glad that we've got a no-so salvation. I'm glad, God, that you know those that are yours. And I praise you for the fact that you're not only able to save us, that you're able to keep us all the way under the end. I pray, God, that you would just stir this heart, loosen these lips, and help me to set forth this little message. God, before your people, so to edify them, but most of all, so to glorify you. Father, stir our hearts and enable us to say when we leave this morning that truly it's been a good place to be. And we'll give you the praise, the honor ask in that name. That name is above every name, the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, and all of God's people said. This is what Paul begins verse 2 with. He said, preach the word. 
I was talking to my friend David Gerald down in North Carolina yesterday. We had a, had a great conversation. He, he's my iron that sharpens my iron, all right? And you all that read the Bible, you know what, what that's speaking about. And I'm thankful for David. I'm thankful for the fellowship that we have. We were talking about some of the craziest stuff that's going on in America and around the world. Hey, and look, I'm, I'm not talking about the streets. That's bad enough. Man, our streets have turned into hell. I, I'm not talking about friend, um, the, the, the anti-Semitism that, that blows my mind that, that's being paraded in the United States of America. I expect it in Iran and Iraq and, and in Muslim countries, but not the United States of America, and yet we're seeing it. I, I think about the craziness going on in our government. Would anybody else say amen right there? Hey, friend, listen. I mean, it's like you said, Judy, it's like just people have lost their mind. And they have, friend, because they've lost their view of God, because they've lost their understanding of just what you said. What is the Word of God? I'm here to tell you, friend, we have no, we have no shame of proclaiming. We proclaim the King James Bible as the unadulterated, inerrant, eternal, infallible, inspired, preserved Word. Word of God. So David and I were talking this. Y'all know in pulpits you can hear anything that you want, a lot of things you don't. I mean, I mean, there are preachers that'll preach anything to tickle your ear. I mean, there are preachers that'll preach a prosperity gospel that I'm afraid is birthed right out of hell. That word of faith gospel follows it hand in hand. Man, I'm telling you, you can, you can hear it from any version of the book uh, that you want. But let me tell you something. Somebody's got to be the authority. Everybody, listen to me, everybody can't be right. And I believe God and not man has decided what book we're to use. And let me say it again. It's the King James Bible. Do y'all know that there are men that are supposed to be preachers, quote, unquote, that are standing in the pulpits and supposedly preaching, that are actually using foul language behind a sacred desk. Do you all know that? I've unfortunately heard them. When I first heard it, I, I said, what? I said, I didn't hear what I thought I heard. I didn't have to back the, uh, the, 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 uh, the recording up he said a few more words and said it again. This one guy that I was listening to, he said, if you don't sit down and shut up, I'm going to come back there and I'll not go any further. I changed the channel. I used to listen to that man as much as 10 years ago. I've taken him off my listening to list. You know what I told David Jarrell I thought I'd do today? I said, I have no idea what I'm going to preach. And I don't even know sure how this is all going to come out. But I told David, here's what I think I'll do. I think I'll just take my King James Bible, get in my pulpit, and preach the Word. Thank God. Now, I'm not going to preach it all. If I were, we'd be here a while. They'd run out of food down at Golden Corral, and Josh would cry. So I'm just going to preach a couple of things, if that's all right. What I believe God has laid on my heart. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. We're in a mess, and it's getting messier. 
He said over in chapter 3 of this same book, verse 1, he said, know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. You know what that means? That word perilous can mean fierce or fierce. I was wanting to emphasize, that's why I said fierce. You know what fierce is? You know what something to be fierce is? If you go back to the book of Matthew, chapter 8, verse 28, you'll find that Jesus at Genesaret saw two uh, demoniacs coming out of the tomb. And you know what? They were exceedingly fierce. You know what that means? That means, friend, that, um, that uh, uh, the violence of the last day, the violence of the last day, this suggests that it is influenced by demons, that it has been controlled by demons. And I believe that with all of my heart. I've never seen days like this day. I'm not the oldest one in here. I'm not the smartest one in here. But I'm not the dumbest either. Man, I've got eyes to see with, ears to hear with, a mind to think with, and we're in a mess. And let me tell you why. It all goes back to the reason that we have forsaken the Word of God. God didn't call me to give you a report. God didn't call me to give you a book report. He didn't give me the Reader's Digest condensed version of the Bible. I'm going to preach like Paul preached. I'm going to preach you all the counsel of God. I may not understand all this book, but I believe it from Genesis 1, 1 to Revelation 22, 21. And there's no place in it, no book, no subject, no thought, no uh, 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 whatever that we could find in this Word that I'm not willing to delve into it and see what you and I can learn. I'm telling you, we're in the shape that we're in today for a reason, and people have abandoned the one book that God has authorized. Y'all do know this is an authorized version, don't you? Do you all do know that it's the only version that is, don't you? Now, if you're going to be back there and be a smart aleck, I know something that you don't know, maybe. Somebody said, well, man, authorize that. Yeah, but it happened to be a king. He was James. And y'all know what I know the Word of God says that maybe the devil don't want you to know? God, listen, friend, turns the heart of the kings like he does the rivers of water. And I believe he said, King James, have them to translate that book into a Queen's English Bible and I'll get you to authorize it. Now, that may not mean much to you, but it means a lot to me. Friend, I'll tell you what, though, if King James didn't have his authorization on it, the Spirit of God certainly put his on it. And I remember the night that I was saved, April 23rd, 74. Bless God, listen, it changed me for eternity. So you know what I want to do? I want to keep preaching this book. Preaching this book. I want to preach it plainly. I want to preach it powerfully. Man, I need the anointing on my life. I need that touch of God on me every time I get in the pulpit. Paul said this. He said, our gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5. I want that touch of God on my life. I want you all to know that God has called me into this work that I'm in. 
Man, listen, friend, if I don't have it and you don't sense it, you get rid of me as quick as you can. Everybody heard me say that, say amen. And I mean that with all, all of my heart. Friend, listen, you, you don't need somebody in a pulpit that doesn't believe the Word of God, doesn't know what the Word of God is. You say, why? Look in verse 13 of chapter 3. Because evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We're in that day. Remember, I've told you recently multiple times, and I'm going to keep telling you that. One of the great marks of the last days is deception. And people are being, listen to this, willingly deceived. The Bible even says for this they are willingly ignorant of, taking it out of context. I just want you to know people are ignorant because they're willing to be ignorant. It's amazing we have the Word of God in all sorts of forms available 24-7 everywhere and anywhere we want it. And though though the King James is still the number one best-selling Bible in the world, the best number one selling Bible in the world, I'm afraid it's read less today than ever. Oh, look, friend, I'm glad that you are a Bible church. Let me say that again. Y'all get in this with me. I'm glad you're a Bible church. Man, I'm telling you what a great joy that is to be a Bible church. Now, this is amazing. And if any preacher hears this on on Sermon Audio or on Facebook, they'll be jealous of me. In 15 years plus, I'm in my 16th year here, No one has ever approached me and told me that I'm preaching too long. Oh, by the way, wouldn't do you any good. You called me here to preach, and I'm going to preach by the grace of God. Amen. Boy, I felt pretty good, by the way. Now, how important is the Scriptures? If you read on down, listen to, what, listen to what Paul told Timothy, verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast heard and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known. Listen to this. I like this. The Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. There's no other way for me and you to know that we're sinners in need of a Savior, and then how to get saved outside of the message that's in this book. If somebody had a great testimony, Judy Kelly. Great testimony, great encouragement to the it was so good I wish I'd have said it. I'm telling that was wonderful. I appreciate it. Man, listen, we need this book now more than ever. We've always needed it. A lot of years people took it for granted. But I'm telling you, we need a revival and reading and going back to the book that made America great. It won't be a president that has mega on his hat. Got to go deeper than that, friend. Our battle's not between the Republicans and Democrats. It's between heaven and hell. It's between God and Satan. It's between light and darkness. It's between sin and holiness. That's where our battle is in this great nation. Boy, I'll tell you, listen, God give us all we need. You all know the King James Bible is the only Bible that says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. If I remember right, am I, Josh? 
I mean, maybe the New King James says that too. It's been a while since I've checked it. But I'll tell you what, friend, listen. I believe every word in this book is inspired by God. Every one of it. Look, this just isn't the word. This just doesn't contain the words of God. It is completely the word of God. It is pure. It is powerful. It is trustworthy. And it is preserved in heaven. Now let me tell you what inspiration really means. All right, may I? It means it was God breathed. Meaning that when God told Moses to write about what went on in the garden between Eve and Satan, that serpent, it's true. God did not inspire Satan to lie and to say to Eve, Thou shalt not surely die. But Satan said unto Eve out of the darkness of his own heart God said make sure Moses you quote Satan correctly are you with me inspiration guarantees the truth guarantees the reality of what you read in here to be true to be factual now let me tell y'all something I don't need archaeology to make me believe that Bethsaida was a city somewhere near a city by the name of Capernaum situated on the shore of a sea by the name of Galilee. I didn't need the shroud of Turan, which is not the, uh, the cloth that covered our Lord, no doubt in my mind, to believe that Jesus died and rose. I've got his record in this book, and I've got his witness in my heart. Well, I hope this is helping somebody else. It's helping me. So what am I supposed to preach? I'm supposed to be preaching Christ. I'm telling you, an old man by the name of Harlan Miller got me and Shelly Bowling aside a long time ago when we first announced our call to the ministry. Wise man. I've mentioned his name in the pulpit uh, several times. A wise man. Telling you, he helped me in so many ways. Taught me so many lessons. He said, now boys, I'm going to tell you. He said, I've never been called to preach, but I've listened to a lot of preaching. And he said, let me tell you something. If your message doesn't start at the cross or end at the cross, you've not preached. I'll say amen to that. Man, listen, this book is all about Jesus, God's only begotten Son. Let me tell you what I believe about him. I'm not going to tell you everything I believe. I don't have time. I can't tell you all about it uh, because I don't know all about it. But I can tell you what the Word of God tells us, and you're all going to agree with it too. You know what I believe? I believe he was conceived in the womb of a virgin by the name of Mary, by the overshadowing of the Holy Ghost. Now you say, preacher, explain that. Thank God. God didn't call me to explain it. He called me to proclaim it, and I can't explain it, but I can proclaim it. And Jesus, God's only begotten one of a kind son, was born of a virgin by the name of Mary in the city of Bethlehem. And I'm glad he was. Oh, he could have died as he did without that virgin birth, but he could not have raised as he did without it. 
He could have died at Calvary. A lot of men have. He couldn't have died as our Savior. Couldn't have been dying as our substitute without it. But oh, thank God. Listen, friend, that set up everything else. He did and was and said. And y'all know, y'all ever get receipts? Now, let me ask y'all, let me do a poll here, okay? And help me out. You men that need a receipt on every transaction that you do, raise your hand up. Maybe a dozen or less. All you women that need a receipt on every transaction you do, raise your hand. All right, you can put them down. I think that's funny. I knew the answer, by the way. Isn't that the craziest thing to ask from a pulpit? Who wants a receipt? I got a reason for it. You know what God's receipt uh, to Jesus was? His approval, hey, listen, or to let him know uh, that, that, that things have been paid in full. It was a resurrection. It was an empty tomb that Jesus occupied, borrowed for three days, and then came out from among the dead. Resurrection with God's receipt to his son by the name of Jesus. You know what I believe about Jesus? I believe that he's not only born among us, but he lives sinless among us. Hey, thank God. Listen now. I'm so happy. Because he lived, because he died, because he lived, I'm saved. I'm so saved, bless God. It was as if I were already in heaven and in light of the fact that I'm in Jesus and he's in heaven, I'm already there. Amen. Thank God. I, there, there was a day and a time I couldn't have preached that to you. I lived in continual doubt. I didn't know I was going to go to heaven when I died or not. Thank God. Listen, I'm glad I know. Can, can I stop this minute and testify? My brother told a story the other day, and I'd never heard it. We were talking about, we were talking about security of the believer. My grandfather's a deacon in Free Will Baptist Church. Good man, godly man. I'm telling you, he was a godly man. Doug told me the night that they took him in an ambulance for Madison Hospital and boom, down to the Villa Hospital in Huntington. Doug said, Tom, he prayed all the way. He said he was bringing up sins that he did before he got saved, talking about the places that he was in, the people that he's with. Now listen to this. My grandfather begging God to forgive him. You know why? Because he's afraid that he wasn't secure in Christ. See, I know it doesn't touch y'all like it does me, and that's understandable. But that shocked me that it surprised me. But I'm telling you, friend, like I told, like I told our young disciples, our young converts downstairs, we have a no-so salvation. Thank God. And let me borrow from an old evangelist over here in Kanawha City. Because the cross is bare, the tomb is empty, and the throne is occupied. Man, how, how great a Savior. Hey, what would we have without Jesus? Nothing. There's an old song that, that asks, what would I do without Jesus? Listen, I believe he was God's only begotten, and in this day and age, 
They're trying to say that Jesus is not. God's only begotten. Yeah, he is. We're sons and daughters of God. But there's only one son of almighty God who's begotten by him through the Holy Ghost. Man, listen. We're living in the day, are we not? And if we quit preaching this book, people are not going to know any more than what they do now. I believe he lived sinless among us. The Bible said that he did no sin, knew no sin, had no sin. 2 Corinthians 21, uh, 1 Peter 2, 22, 1 John 3, 6. It's amazing. Listen, friend, he was tempted and tested and tried in every point as we are. And yet the Bible said, yet without sin. Thank God, I'm glad he knows us. I'm glad he loves us. It wasn't good enough for him to live. You know what else I've heard people say? Preachers from the pulpit. It did not matter how Jesus died. As long as he died. What a blasphemous lie. How many of y'all believe that? You better not say me. That's not true. Jesus had to die on an old rugged cross. Shed... Preachers say spill, shed his blood so that you and I might be redeemed by the grace of God. It does matter how he died. I mean, I don't know. I, I, just, uh, I, just, I just don't know. I'm not too smart, but I do know simple things. And yet I know those simple things that are profound things. But he made it so simple that a child, that a child could be saved by it. He made it so simple, he said, lest a, a wayfaring man would err therein. He made it so simple that he said, whosoever will. Oh, I'll tell you, friend, I'm glad. I'm glad for who Jesus, who Jesus is. And you know what? I believe he's going to return, and I know he's going to reign. Number two, you know what he told me to preach? He told me to preach hell's hot and heaven's sweet. I believe that. I'm, I'm saved today because of a lot of reasons, all right? And I, I don't have time to go through them. All of what God did, the plan of salvation, what Jesus did, the Spirit and all that. But let me get it right down to it. After God did all his part, I had a part. The reformers say, nah, you don't have any choice in this thing. Am I right, Josh? Isn't that what they say? They, I mean, people that, that, that believe in hyper-Calvinism, all the reformed, you know, they say, you, you, don't, have any, you don't have any choice in this. You, you can't choose to reject Christ. I'm going to tell you all something. April 23rd, 1974. You know why I got saved? I was I was, I, I, look, I just wasn't scared. I mean, I was scared, but I knew I'd go to hell if I died. That's right. Hey, listen, there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And where you go in eternity is decided this side of the grave. God's made this thing so simple and yet it's so profound. It's so deep that no man can plummet it, so high no man can reach it, so broad no man can get around it. Ezekiel, where is it? 
47 or 49, he talks about that river that, that he saw, or a river that no one could cross. He headed out in it up to his ankles, up to his knees, and when he got to his loins, he determined it's a river, a listen, greater than any man. Y'all know what? It's so simple that it's just choices between light and darkness. God and Satan. Eternal life in heaven, eternal death in hell. Saying either yes or no to Jesus. There's two ways. There's two gates. There's two, uh, you know, two decisions that you... I mean, how simple can it get? And people try uh, to make it as hard and conflict people in their mind and in their heart. But I'm going to tell you, friend, heaven and hell, both are real choices. And eternity is a long time. So make sure, sir, ma'am, you've made the right decision. This side of the grave. And the most favorite word that a preacher could ever say is, finally. Three little points. He told me to preach salvation. You know what salvation is? My definition of salvation is full, free, and complete divine deliverance from sin, its penalty, its power, and its presence. That's pretty good, isn't it? Let me give it to you again faster. It is a full a free, a complete, divine deliverance from sin, from all of its aspects, its penalty, its power, and one day its presence. Salvation is in a past tense, is in a present tense, and is in a future tense. And thank God for Philippians 1 and 6. He that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Christ enough to make you shout and he made salvation so simple again that he said, suffer or allow little children to come unto me for of such is the kingdom of God I'll remember a long time Miss Martha watching your son get out from beside you come forward and want to kneel at that altar and get saved little Jose it's simple it's for anybody and everybody it is always, has been, and will be by grace through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. And let me add this, since we're in the holiday season. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Y'all have to admit that fit there really good. It's not on my notes either, Greg, you hear me? I love it when you say that, by the way. Salvation. Can I tell you, friend, there's, the only, there's only one way, and that's through Christ. And it is for the whosoever wills. Every head bowed.